You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the Christmas story. Um, God, we hear it every year, and I just pray that it would fall on fresh ears um, even now, Lord. I pray that you would get me out of the way, Lord, so that your word would go forth. I pray that it would change us and encourage us, equip us, comfort us. Um, and Lord, would you be glorified in all things. Pray that this time would be used um, to build your church. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So as you can see, this class is Angels, the Christmas Story in Our Lives. So why this class? Well, every year in Faith and Family, we try and do at least one class on the Christmas story, on a certain aspect of the Christmas story. Reason being because one, it's Christmas time. It's time to tell the Christmas story. Hey guys. And also we are really passionate about the fact that Christmas time is such a ripe time to engage in theological and biblical conversations with your children and with your families. And so it's our hope that during Christmas time, you're able to look at the Christmas story with some new tools, some new theological language, so that when, for example, you see an angel on TV or in the Christmas pageant, you're able to dialogue with your child a little bit more about the deeper significance of that. I will, I will say full disclosure, um, Cameron just texted me and said, hey, do you want to teach on angels in faith and family? And I said, okay, time to learn about angels. Because I, if you're like me, you've never really paid attention to the angels. They're just always kind of there, hovering above the nativity scene. Um, they, I haven't really delved into thinking about angels ever, really. Particularly angels in the Christmas story. But I'm so thankful that I have now. I think, too, it's hard for me, at least, I don't know about y'all, to think about angels because they belong to the spiritual realm, right? We can't see them. And so... They've also become pretty hallmarkized. I just did a quick Google of angels. This is my personal favorite, bottom left. Um, oh, yes, but um, I think hopefully we'll see that that's maybe not the most accurate depiction of angels. Um, but that's certainly kind of even without my knowing. That's how I can add kind of conceptualized of them in my mind. And so hopefully we'll see scripture present to us a different picture of angels. And what I've come to see, too, is that angels, yes, they're a super important part of the Christmas story, but also they teach us a lot just about the character of God. They teach us about his holiness. They teach us about his tenderness. They teach us about the worship that he is due. And so I'm excited to dive into the Christmas story with you guys. Where we're going, real quick, just a um, roadmap. We'll start, and um, we're just going to do a quick kind of Angels 101, what do we know about angels, and then... We're going to look at some different parts of the Christmas story. It's kind of a case study, for lack of a better term, about what Scripture teaches us about angels. So that's where we're going this morning. So welcome to Angels 101. And um, given the just vast circulation that I know this class is destined to have, I feel like I need to give credit where credit is due. And um, a lot of what I learned about angels came from Wayne Grudem. He's a theologian, and he has this really good systematic theology podcast that I listen to. And so I learned a lot from him, I, and I commend that to you. Okay, a couple quick facts about angels. The word angel in Greek and Hebrew, I can't pronounce it in Hebrew, but I can try in Greek, angelos, 
means messenger. And so we're going to see that that is a prominent role that angels play in the Christmas story as messengers. Number two, angels are created beings with high intellectual capacity and the ability to choose right and wrong, just like us. But not like us, angels belong to the spiritual realm. So for the most part, they are unseen. We do see that sometimes in scripture, they take on physical form like Angel Gabriel or Angel Michael, but they belong to the spiritual realm, whereas we belong to the physical realm. And I think it's really important for us to note that angels are created. Now, why is that important? Think for two reasons. Number one, by nature, the fact that angels are created means that they are not like who? God, God yes. God is the only uncreated being that will ever exist. Um, all of earth is God's creation. God is the only creator. So we want to make sure we never confuse or conflate angels and God. Angels are created. God is their creator. Think of that scene in Revelation where John encounters an angel and John falls down to worship the angel. And anyone know what the angel says? Dr. Hull's got it. Yes, he says, get up. He says, you're not supposed to worship me. Worship God. Uh, and so that's just a reminder that angels still belong to the created order and we all worship our creator. That's what they're always pointing to. So that's why it's important that they are created. But also, this is what I find interesting. God is sufficient in and of himself, right? God didn't need to create anything because he had everything he ever needed within himself and within the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So the fact that God did create angels, I think is worth thinking about. Why did he create it? Why did he create them? Um, it must be for our good and his glory, which I hope we'll see more through this class. All right, fact number three, angels are able to move between heaven and earth. We'll see that in the Christmas story. And then number four, this is pretty important. Anytime we encounter an angel in scripture, it seems, we get the sense that they're kind of scary. Not in like a ghost Halloween way. We're going to talk about this idea of fear later in the lesson, but they do seem to have this awe-inspiring, holy, reverent, trembling presence. Uh, the first thing that an angel typically says upon meeting a human is what? Y'all already said this. Fear not, right. Yes. Yeah. So we that tells us that to be in the presence of an angel must be pretty intense. Okay, so those are the basics of angels. There's probably a lot more, but I think those are at least the most important. Okay, so now we're going to look at the purpose, the why behind angels. And like I said, we're going to look at the Christmas story. It's kind of our case study for learning more about angels. So four things that I hope we see in the Christmas story. So angels are messengers, they are ministers, they are worship leaders, and they are agents in God's redemptive plan. I tried really hard to make all four of them M's, but I couldn't do it. So sorry for the lack of creativity there. Okay, number one, angels as messengers. All right, right off the bat in Luke, we see the angel Gabriel acting as God's messenger. So in Luke, we meet um, the man Zechariah. Zechariah is a priest. His wife is Elizabeth. And what's their problem? They're barren, yes. So one day, Zechariah goes into the temple, and here's what happens. An angel appears to him. Picking up in verse 8. Now while he, Zechariah, 
was serving as a priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside of the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. Okay, so pretty cool scene here, right? Zechariah's in the temple alone, and this angel, Gabriel, comes with an important message from God. And so we get the sense that what Gabriel is given to speak is the very message of God, right? Gabriel says, I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. Gabriel is saying, I've got a message, but it's not for me. It's coming straight from God. We don't get the sense that Gabriel's just kind of shooting off the hip, going off script, this is God delivering a message straight to Zechariah through the angel Gabriel. Notice, too, how Gabriel says, I stand in the presence of God. So that's a pretty big deal. Gabriel is given a really high job description here. So to me, it's kind of understandable why fear would be something that accompanies angels. If they do stand in the presence of God, that tells us something about what it's like to be in the presence of a holy God. I mean, think about the fact that if angels just stand in the presence of God and there's a sense of fear, there's a sense of reverence, there's a sense of worship, imagine what that must be like to be in the presence of God. I mean, that should just, woof, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, like what happens to Isaiah. And again, when, when we talk about fear of God, we don't mean hide under your bed, you're scared of God. Um, I like to think about it, you know that we've all got that one family member. You're probably about to see them and, or, or interact with them. You love them, you respect them, you think they are just so cool. And when they walk into the room, you straighten up a little bit, you know, and you want to make sure your elbows are off the table or what have you. That kind of fear, that reverence, that worship, that's the kind of fear that I think accompanies the presence of God. All right, so that is angels as messengers. We see the angel Gabriel deliver this message to Zechariah. Number two, angels are ministers. And I just got to say, it's pretty poetic that I am doing this class today um, on Christmas pageant day because long, long ago, someone in this room was the angel Gabriel in the Christmas pageant. Uh, <laughs> my greatest credit to date by far but um, now that I'm now I'm realizing that that Gabriel was um, a male, so a little bit inaccurate of us there. But I had fun. Okay, Angel Gabriel. He's had a busy couple weeks in the Christmas story because now he's going to appear to Mary with perhaps some of the most important news that's ever been delivered on the existence of the earth. Okay, so watch how Gabriel ministers to Mary. We're still in Luke one now. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, there's that fear, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, 
and you shall call his name Jesus. Okay, so yes, in this moment, Gabriel is, he's delivering a message, but I also think that this instance with Gabriel shows us angels' role as ministers. Let's just kind of consider the state of Mary that Gabriel finds her in. She's probably about 14, 14 to 17 maybe. Um, She is supposedly alone. And all of a sudden, this angel, this kind of heavenly being, comes to Mary and tells her, hey, even though you're a virgin, you're about to have a son. And not only that, he's going to be the savior of the world. So what do we think Mary's posture would have been in this time? Petrified. Petrified. That's a good word, yes. Scared. I mean, the same thing. Yeah, I would have just been so speechless, terrified. How am I going to do this? And so I think it's really, really kind of God to have sent Gabriel to Mary. Because think about it. He could have just put this idea into Mary's head. He could have just kind of let Jesus come and Mary figure it out herself. But God sent Gabriel to be a physical, comforting, ministering presence to Mary in this really, really scary and dark moment. And, you know, when Mary responds with fear, Gabriel comforts Mary. He says, you have found favor with God. He is ministering to her. Hebrews 4, um, sorry, Hebrews 1 kind of um, expounds on this. It says, it's talking about angels and Jesus' superiority to angels. This is what Hebrews 1.14 says. Are they not all angels, ministering spirits, sent to us to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? So that's us. We are the ones who will inherit salvation. And so the author of Hebrews refers to angel as ministering spirits. There was someone else in the Bible who was ministered to by angels in a really intense point in their life. Anyone know who that would be? Yes. The New Testament. Jesus. Jesus, yes. After Jesus goes toe-to-toe with Satan in the wilderness, angels come and minister to him. So we see that Scripture reminds us that they really do have this ministering quality. And this particular point about angels is I know where I am really guilty of neglecting. Um, Again, I don't think about angels all that much, but if we're going to take what Scripture says about them seriously, I think that it's worth considering that they are a gift that God's given to minister to his people. One of the many ways God has has been given to minister to us. And so, for me, studying angels has encouraged me. I think we can pray that God would send us angels when we are in distress or when we are scared or when we are, um, when a loved one is feeling sick or afraid. And you know, this is why I think you do hear these kind of crazy stories about people meeting strangers in hospitals or on the side of the road after a car crash, people that then no one else seems to have seen. Um, So I know that that, you know, again, we're thinking about the spiritual realm here, so it can get hard to conceptualize, but God sends angels. And I firmly believe that. And I think scripture attests to that. Okay, moving on. Number three, angels are worship leaders. And, you know, worship leaders, for lack of a better word, that was just the the only phrase I could think of. And what I mean by that is that angels model for us what it looks like to worship God with the reverence and with the glory and with the honor that he is due. Angels' kind of number one job description is to bring glory to God. And what better place do we see that than in this beloved, famous story of angels in the fields appearing to shepherds. And so here's what Luke 2 says. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. 
and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. So there it is again. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Okay, so let's think about this passage when it comes to how angels teach us about worship. So there are these shepherds out in the field. It's just a random night. And all of a sudden, it's just one angel at first notice. And it seems that the glory of the Lord that accompanied this angel was so great that these shepherds were filled with great fear. Again, we get the sense that to be in the presence of a holy God is not to be taken lightly. There's a trembling reverence and awe that accompanies him. But then the angel ministers. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. I I literally bring you the gospel of great joy that will be for all the people. And then what is the response of the angels to this good news of the gospel? Yes, praise, worship. And I get the sense that this heavenly host that comes, to me I get the, the vision of like something bursting at the seams. It's almost like they just can't help themselves. This good news of great joy that has come in the Lord Jesus Christ Suddenly, there's a multitude of the heavenly hosts. The top has been blown off, and there's just this spontaneous, uh, and who knows how many were in this host, right? Uh, You picture just the whole sky being filled with the worship of God. And that's what they're doing here. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And this is what struck me reading this story again, thinking about the angels. Whenever we think about the scene, think we can tend to make it about the shepherds or about the angels, both of which are very, very important characters in the Christmas story. But really, who is this scene all about? Jesus. Yeah, it's about the birth of Jesus and about the birth of, yeah, about about God's gift of Jesus to the world. And so to me, this is a beautiful reminder of how angels inspire us to bring worship and glory and honor to God, which he and he alone is due. And so here's, here's where it gets cool, too, thinking about angels as worshipers. This is exactly what's going on in heaven right now. As we speak, the angels are sitting around God's throne worshiping him. We know this because, I already mentioned Revelation, but John, the Apostle John, gets a snapshot of what's going on in heaven in the book of Revelation. And here's what we're told. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. So the very thing that the shepherds were doing that night of Jesus' birth is exactly what's going on in heaven right now. Did I just say shepherds? Angels. Whatever the ain't. Yes. Hopefully you're tracking with me. So, and here's what's cool. When we join in worship, whether in our own personal spiritual lives or in church, we are joining the angels in heaven. 
I am reading this book right now on fear of God. It's called Rejoice and Tremble. And I wish I could remember the author. Reeves is the last name, but it's really good. It's, it's accessible, Rejoice and Tremble. I, I do recommend it. And here is what he says, um, speaking of our worship in heaven. He says, We will be caught up into God's own fearful happiness and will be overwhelmed by exaltation in the glory of God. Our eternal joy will consist precisely in this fear of God, rejoicing and marveling so that like the angels, we burn and tremble and fall on our faces in wonder. So angels remind us of what it looks like to really bring glory and worship to God. And they kind of get it, they, they at least get me excited about what it's going to be like in heaven. Okay, so we've seen angels as messengers, angels as ministers, angels as worship directors. Last but not least, angels assist in bringing forth God's redemptive purposes, agents in God's redemptive plan. And by this, all I mean is that God does seem to use angels to bring forth his plans for the world. Uh, we see this all the time in the Old Testament. Angels are always the ones leading people, meeting people in dreams. But this happens in the New Testament as well. Psalm 103 tells us, Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. So we're told that anytime an angel acts, he's acting in obedience to God. Angels always act according to God's will. And so therefore, when God uses them, he uses them to bring forth his redemptive purposes for the world. Where we see this in the Christmas story. So Matthew 1, this is where we hear of an angel appearing to Joseph in a dream. This is what scripture tells us. Oh, I did not put this on my sheet. I'm going to have to read from here. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as she considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So I find this really cool. Joseph is asleep. You know, he's not even fully conscious. And an angel comes and tells Joseph, hey, don't divorce Mary. Uh, instead, marry her. Take her as your wife. All this through an angel to carry forth God's redemptive plan. I mean, think about if, if the Lord hadn't sent that angel. Who knows what Joseph would have done? Well, I guess we do. He would have divorced Mary, and we would not have the, the Christmas story that we have today. But God saw to it that he met Joseph in a dream through this angel. Similarly, once Jesus is born, an angel comes to Joseph in a dream and tells him, hey, you need to go to Egypt, not back to Bethlehem, because Herod is out for all the little babies. And then and the same angel of the Lord comes to Joseph later and says, all right, it's safe to go back now. So we see that this angel is not only protecting Joseph and his family, but he's guiding Joseph, making sure that God's redemptive purposes are indeed fulfilled. Okay. Oh, that's the end of my slideshow. But here's where I want to end it, for us to think about some practical implications that angels give us in our families, especially around the Christmas story and around this time of year. I think number one, just right off the bat, this is probably a no-brainer, but Christmas is a time to engage with our families about the fact that angels are real. And it's hard to think about them sometimes. It's hard to really set our minds there, but angels are real. They exist in the spiritual world, and just like we can't always see God, they exist even though we can't always see them. And so I think this is a cool opportunity 
to pray, like I said. Pray for God to send angels to people that are hurting. Pray that God would send angels to protect you. Thank God for angels. Um, Engage in those deeper spiritual questions with your child or with your family, whomever it may be. So Psalm 34 speaks of an angel of the Lord encamping around those who fear God. I love that imagery. It's kind of, that to me reminds me of kind of the ministering spirit that angels can have, encamping. So pray the words of Psalm 34 that God would send an angel to encamp around someone who is traveling or someone who is sick. I really do think that um, that's part of scripture. So that's number one, engage in those spiritual realm topics with your child. Number two, I think angels, another practical implication is kind of like what we talked about. They inspire us to a more reverent love and worship of God. They remind us of God's love for us. Because like I said, God didn't have to create angels, but he did. And so I hope that this has kind of stirred up in our hearts a reminder of how God cares for his people and the beauty and the tenderness and the creativity that that he has in creating all things. And then most importantly... Um, angels direct us to God. Like I've been saying, angels are simply the creating, the created, not the creator. And to bring it back to Hebrews, this is what Hebrews says about Jesus, which is where we are supposed to be directed via the angels. That Jesus has become much more superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So while angels are wonderful, they're beautiful, they are um, they're really purposeful. God has given them to us as a gift. Our eyes are always meant to look past the angels and to the one that they are bringing glory to, which is Jesus Christ, who is greater than all the angels. Um, praise be to God. And so I, we do have a little bit of time left. Um, I would love, if anyone has any questions, please feel free to ask. But then also, if anyone has any cool angel stories, I want to hear them. I'm serious. I think, uh, yeah. Oh, I'm glad you. I'm glad you said that because I meant to address this. So, scripturally, there's no there's no basis for a specific guardian angel. I don't have my own like little Rebecca angel protecting me. But like I said, there is this sense that angels protect us. So while it's not specific for each one of us, angels do protect through the power of God, obviously. It's God that's doing the protecting. But there doesn't seem to be anything in scripture that tells us that we all have our own guardian angel. And I think I think that's probably because we wouldn't ever want to run the risk of praying to a guardian angel instead of God. That's a really good question. I thought it was interesting when the angel appeared to the shepherd said, an angel of the Lord, not the angel mm-hmm. You know, that is such an excellent point. I, um, yeah, I love that host word too, because it reminds me of that scene in one of the Kings where Elijah, or maybe it's even Elisha, clearly I need to brush up on my Old Testament, where he prays for eyes to see the, the army of angels surrounding him when they're in battle. 
And this is another thing I neglect to think about in 2021. We've got that host fighting for us right now. Um, and it's a military. It's a military of angels. So what a good, I mean, that gives me a lot of comfort. We've got that in, um, defense of an angel army, a heavenly host. I always thought, I mean, I've always believed, and I came to this belief, honestly, after my mom died, when I was um, writing my, what I was going to say at the funeral, and it just, when I was reflecting upon my mom's life, and what all she did, and how many lives she touched, it just really came to me that I firmly Oh, Brittany, that's really, that's really kind. Oh, praise God for your mom. She's having a party with the angels right now. She's doing better than any of us. <laughs> that's true. And we were blessed with, um, when my mom was sick, there was one nurse in the ICU that hadn't been there very long. And um, at that point, we knew my mother was going to die. And... Um, my sister went back to thank her because she was a really nice and she was gone. Mm. No one knew who my sister was talking about. And so it makes you think. It really does. Yeah, Jacob. Uh, how many angels can dance on the head of a pig? <laughs> <laughs> that is a question I do not know. Uh, a lot, probably. Anyone know? I don't know. I've heard that question before. Wayne Grudem didn't address that in his uh, podcast, so that beats me. I don't know. As many as God wants. As, that's, there we go. As many as God wants, yes. Any other questions? All right. Well, I am really grateful for you guys coming. Thank you. Um, thank you for giving me the opportunity to learn about angels, because otherwise I don't think I would have done it. Um, all right. Well, let me pray for us and then you guys will be free to go. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the gift of angels. Um, they are just that. They are a gift. Um, Lord, thank you for the way that you use them in the Christmas story. But Lord, thank you particularly for the way that you use them um, throughout all of time and the way you use them in our lives today. Um, and so, Lord, I do pray that anyone in this room who is hurting or um, lonely or anyone that we know and love in this room that is um, suffering, Lord, would you send an angel to minister to them, to stand in the presence of God and to um, comfort them, Lord, with your words and with your spirit. Um, Father God, I pray that you would uh, keep our hearts situated on Christ this Christmas season. Lord, may our hearts be directed to a worship of you and you alone. And God, um, just give you thanks for this day and give you thanks for your word. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.